Well, good morning again. Um, before I start, if you if you get a chance, you want to follow along. I've got the blue notes are on the back tables. If you want to grab the blue notes, and I tell you what, why don't you stand with me as we uh, open the word this morning? I'm going to be reading from Galatians chapter one, verses three through ten in the ESV. Two reasons for the standing. One, very practical, physical. You've been sitting for a while. And physically, we need to move. It's the I've used this expression before, move it or lose it. And if you sit for a really long time, you lose things. Feeling, mostly. But, uh, but second reason is that acknowledging... And honoring the fact that we're opening up God's word today. And to have that reverence, that that to hold that place in your heart for the, the word of God that we stand, you know, and not for every single verse I read every time, but that in, in opening this, we're opening God's word. So Galatians chapter one, verses three through ten. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray today as we as we get into your word, may it have its effect, by your Holy Spirit, confirming those words that you have spoken. May it have its effect in our hearts, doing more than just entering our minds, but moving our bodies, moving our hands and our feet, and moving our mouths in this world to proclaim this gospel for your glory, and I know for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. As I was preparing for this this sermon, Carrie was sharing with me a a Spurgeon quote. We call him the Spurge, Um, but... We're sharing this quote, and I found it really appropriate, especially tagged on the back of 
this scripture and what I'm going to talk about, as you see, the title is another gospel with question marks and an exclamation mark in it. But from Charles Spurgeon, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And if ever there's a need to understand that for the church, for the body of Christ, it's in in this present age that we live in. And I, I will say that, you know, first first notes in the in your blue notes. Present evil age. Present evil age isn't just referring to Paul's time. It is just like last days. So when we see in Scripture the last days, in the last days, we know that when that was spoken, that was from the time that Christ ascended until he comes back again was the last days, that whole scope. So I know of late it's been said, oh, these are the last days because here are these signs and here are these things that we see. But I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, they were seeing the same things then. Now we can say, oh, but they're greater greater quantities, more visible more obvious because of social media and everything else. It does not change the fact that those things existed back then and they were just as dangerous and just as destructive. No matter the quantity, the quality is the difference. You could be bombarded. We could be bombarded with things that are bad or just have a few of them. They're still bad. They are still contrary to the Word of God. Now, again, I'm going to acknowledge that the onslaught of things, like being pummeled by rotten things, is a lot different than being hit by one or two. But it doesn't change the fact that from the time that Christ left until He comes back, bad things will be in this world. Can we agree on that? We can. We've been in the last days since Christ's ascension. Now, next point in the notes. Chasing the approval of the world. It's like a, a, a just a title heading. Chasing the approval of the world. The balloon game. Chasing the approval of the world, the balloon game. Now, I think that everybody has probably played this game or at least seen it played before. Take a balloon, toss it into a room. Two to however many people. And the object of the game is to keep the balloon from hitting the floor. And the the less people that are in the room, the more chaos ensues. But the whole point is just to keep that thing 
batted up in the air. And when you play it in competition with one another, the object is to get it where the one person drops it or lets it hit the floor, and then the game starts with less people. And I've watched it turn into chaos, lamps being turned over, tables being turned over, people diving across things, uh, mayhem, destruction. Now, what's the point of the illustration? Well, that's chasing the approval of men, is that game. But the, the, the balloon is always being batted away, and so you die for this one and try to bat it up in the air. The whole point is to never let it touch the ground. If it hits the floor, it might pop, or it might be game over. In, the illust- or in illustration, the floor is absolute. For us in illustration, that's God's truth and God's word. It's the absolutes. The balloon is man's approval. It's fickle, ethereal, elusive. You ever hit a balloon? It's not like a regular ball. It doesn't just go straight as you hit it. Like it just kind of go, it meanders. You can hit it in a curve and go one way, or it catches a little gust of wind and it could go anywhere. Such is chasing the approval of men. And Paul is speaking of this in light of the gospel and of being taught another gospel. And I use the illustration of Spurgeon talking about not just wrong and right, but right and not quite. You understand where this is coming from? We understand this picture that Paul is painting about the gospel. Don't want to read that again. Just one more time, Galatians 1, 3 through 10. Well, actually, you know what? Don't, yeah, we'll put that up there, but um, probably want to get to verse 6. And I think I might have that, yeah, 6 to start one. So, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Chase. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached, let him be accursed. You go the rest of that too, Chase. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And here's the question. For Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Where do we hear a false gospel? It's when it's about us. Do you hear what I'm saying? When it's about what's in it for me, aside from 
knowing God and walking closer to him, being with him. The, the idea of like, it's, it's when we understand that the gospel is God has made a way to erase the divide that was between us and him because of sin. That Christ bore on the cross all of the things that separated us from God. That we might be able to draw near to him. And when you distort that and make it about what's in it for me rather than what's in it for him. Do you understand that? Like the the gospel isn't at work in us for our glory, but for his. For his glory, because he did the work. Because he made it all in the first place. And it was his plan and his design from the beginning for his glory and that we would be in that acknowledging him. And when we went our own way from Adam and Eve on, when we chose our own way over his, we created a divide. And that sin separated us from the love of God, the presence of God, and all the benefits of knowing and acknowledging Him as God. And there was a deserved wrath for that separation. The wrath of God against sin, against anything that defies His purposes and His creation. And when we understand what Christ did on the cross, when we understand it, that the good news is we deserved to be separated from Him forever. And yet, He did something to erase that separation and bring us near to Him. When we understand that that is the good news then that's the only good news that we really need. We don't need something else beyond. Paul was eager to get his audience to the floor. In illustration to the balloon, Paul was eager to get his audience to the floor. He wanted to get them to that solid right foundation of what the gospel really was. He wanted to get them out of the ethereal, out of doing damage one to another or to themselves, and get them to the floor, the foundation. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it 
the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The first question is, why preach the gospel to Christians? Why preach the gospel to Christians? And the answer is Romans 1.17. So if we look at Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. From faith, in your notes, from faith equals the beginning of the work of the gospel. From faith equal the beginning of the work of the gospel. For faith equals the ongoing work of the gospel. In this way, faith is the bookends. It's from faith. I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I, I used to read this verse and it confused me. Like I just didn't, I couldn't grasp the under, understa- an understanding of, you know, from faith to for faith or from faith to faith. It's like, well, you have, you have faith going towards something or faith going backwards it. And I couldn't like directionally trying to figure in my mind, like what, what is this faith going toward? And it's, it's not about direction. It's about from faith. From the start. That, that's salvation by faith. That moment. By faith. Salvation. And then for faith or to faith is it never stops. That faith just goes on and on and on. Faith in the work of Christ on the cross. Faith. Faith in the Holy Spirit in His work in the Word, to keep saying to us again and again, as the Word clearly speaks and clearly teaches, over and over again, repeating to us again and again, the love of God expressed in the good news, His victory over the gulf that separated us, His challenge to draw nearer to Him, by taking in His Word and just doing what it says. So that from faith for faith makes sense. Because it's from where you start and on. And faith never stops. It's not something I got faith in and and I'm good. I'm done, you know. Again, from the notes... Salvation isn't a one and done, walk the aisle, pray the prayer thing. 
it is lifelong. Do you hear me? Salvation isn't a one and done. It's not a just walk the aisle, pray the prayer. It is lifelong. Therefore, the gospel isn't just powerful for the start. It's powerful for the whole journey. You know what I'm saying? The the gospel isn't just powerful for the start. It's powerful for the whole journey. The gospel doesn't stop the minute you accept Jesus. Come to faith. It doesn't stop there. It just begins there. The good news just begins in that moment. And it keeps carrying on. It is the gospel that is powerful. For the whole journey, not just for that first step in and then you're on your own. Paul was not ashamed because the gospel is enough. Paul was not ashamed because the gospel is enough. Jesus is enough. His work on the cross was enough. It wasn't just enough for your salvation. It was enough for your salvation beginning to end. There is not Jesus and something. Or the the gospel and anything. We don't need anything else. The gospel and the 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 gospel is this and and I'll say a I'm gonna say a hot button topic. Social justice. I'm so tired of hearing the words social justice. I just am. An opinion, I can share that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is enough to erase everything that separates us from God. And it is enough to erase everything in us that would separate us from rightly loving our neighbors. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't need, you don't need social justice to be honoring the Lord toward your fellow man. And skin color, whatever. Ethnic backgrounds, whatever. You and I don't need anything else but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if someone, and I'll make some distinction here, If someone is outside the will of God, living a life, I don't care what stripe or flavor or whatever you are, living a life that is outside the plan and design of God, the answer isn't let's just change things. Well, let's just make some different rules and different regulations and just kind of move what is acceptable and good around and change. That's not the answer. That's not going to help anybody. As a matter of fact, my heart breaks for those who are outside of the will of God, 
outside the plan and design of God, living a life that will send them to hell, not because they're just doing and doing, doing, because their heart and everything about them is separated from God. Their, their life is just acting it out. The acting out is, is a deal. But what's worse is the heart that's in there that says, I want to go my way, whatever my way is. I want to go my way, and I don't want to go God's way. And that's the problem. And that's what the gospel answers. Christ died on the cross so that you wouldn't be separated from Him. Christ died on the cross to bring you near to God like no other thing or no one else can. He died to erase that separation. But He didn't just die to say, boom, you're close. He died to change everything about us that doesn't line up with His design and plan. That's what the power of the gospel does. It changes us. It changes our actions. It changes our attitude. It changes our heart from the inside out. I've lived, you've lived in a world where religion will change people from the outside kind of sort of toward the end, but it never quite makes it there because it can't. Only the gospel of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can change someone from the inside out. I'm, I'm pausing because there's rabbit trails running everywhere inside of this head. Just a lot of things to be said. Paul was not ashamed because the gospel is enough. Jesus is enough. He's enough. The gospel is enough to change the world. The whole world. Paul's teaching and Jesus' teaching were both about priceless treasure. Priceless treasure. Matthew chapter 13. It's, I don't have it in the notes, but that's all right. You can write those down. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do we know what the treasure is? Heaven? No. The treasure is God. God is the treasure. Christ is the treasure. Who but a wretch finds a priceless treasure and says, you got anything else? Or, well, this is boring. Is there, is there something different besides this? Who but a wretch says that on finding a priceless treasure? 
But for us who are being saved, the glory of God, just to know Him, y'all, I don't need fire insurance. I don't need what I said before. I walked the aisle when I was a kid. I prayed the prayer. I did the thing. I'm in. I'm not going to go to hell. And we do this little weirdness of, oh, the once saved, always saved, you know, thing. It's like I did that. Push the button back here. I checked the box off someplace. I'm sorry. I don't think you found something there. Because when you find that treasure who is Christ, heaven is not heaven if he's not there. And not just kind of there in the space, but I mean there in absolute, purely who he is. And standing before him, enjoying that. Like we have made heaven about whatever we like the most. Oh, in heaven there's going to be ice cream galore and there's going to be all the fun things and, and we just fill in the blank with whatever thing. is like, well, it's just going to be whatever, you know, whatever you like the most of. That's what heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be just enjoying the things that you enjoy down here. It's like, ugh. really? Is that what we've learned of Christ? To just compare heaven to here? The only thing that makes here good is the fact that God is still here dealing with men and with us. You take him out of the equation in any situation and things get ugly instantly. Instantly. You take the influence of the Word of God and the presence and power of God out of something and instantly it's it's a it's disaster it's chaos and when all this is wound up and tied up those who will be sent away didn't want him in the first place they wanted what they wanted forever and they'll get the results of that Eternal separation from God. And it won't be like here while in the body, in this world, and the grace of God is still upon things and still working in the world. Now it'd be like, you're over there and God is over here and there will be no way of erasing that separation because it was already done and you said, nah, I'll take my way over your way. And it'll be eternity without Him. And that's what will make it hell and torment. But for us who are being saved, the power of the gospel is this, that Jesus erased that separation. And I want to be, I don't care what it's like. I don't care what things are here. I don't care what frills or, or spark, whatever those are. That doesn't matter. I will enjoy them because I'm with him forever. And we say it, we close every service, God is good all the time. And all the time, we're going to get to enjoy God is good and nothing else. That is what heaven 
really is. It's not just a really glorified version of this. It is a perfect version of God's recreated, restored everything. Devoid of anything that would tear us away from Him. Back to the notes. Faith in Christ. The good news leads to good works. So the last part of this is walking it out. Uh, essentially, I say it, the gospel with legs. The, to, to, even, to even bring it up into more uh, uh, fancy terms, we've said this before, the orthopraxy to match the orthodoxy. You know, the, the right practice to match the right beliefs is the walking it out. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know when the beforehand was? Before the foundation of the world. And not the good works that we're going to do out here and this and that. and some, No, from the very beginning, He designed that His people that He created and His earth that He made and everything in it would work good works because He designed it that way. So, from the beginning, good works were His design and plan. He called all of His creation very good. And man was designed to glorify God by cooperating and thereby agreeing with His plan. One more time, I'll say it again. From the beginning, good works were His design and plan. He called all of His creation very good, and man was designed to glorify God by cooperating and thereby agreeing with His plan. The bad news is we disagreed. Now, I know that the, the enemy of our souls, the serpent of old, as Scripture calls him, the tempter, the liar from the beginning, the father of lies, I know he was there saying stuff. We all know that. But we also know in that moment of disagree with what God said and go your own way. That'd be great. It'll be awesome. You'll be just like him. You'll know all this stuff. It'll be amazing. Liar. Or say, nah, don't think so. I'm going to agree with him because he made this, and I think you're a creation too, so I don't know what you're doing saying these things right now 
because you were created and he's creator. I'm going this way. And, and the pick was not that way. The pick was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go my own way. And now he's calling us in Christ back to, I want to go your way. And when you or I see things at work in us, they say, my way, my way, I want what I want. I want what I want, I want it now. All the treasure, all the gold, all the glory, all the things, what I want them now. That's what I want now. That's the gospel right there. I get what I want when I want it. No, that's that's hell. Because when you get what you want, when you want it, and God says, no, that's not good for you, no, that's not going to work right now. No, no, it's, no, it's not the time for that. And you go, I don't care. I want it anyway. Yeah, you you get you get what you want here, but you're not going to get what you want there because you're going this way. You're going toward yourself, toward your own wants, instead of toward God, who is calling us in Christ Jesus to good works that He designed. From the beginning. And I don't see any of that kind of garbage being the good works that he designed in the garden. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, you can see that just like taking a nice backwards look at that. It's like in the beginning, God did not say to Adam and Eve, I'm going to dump riches and wealth and cars and stuff and junk on you and you just be just whatever you want, you're going to have it. No, he said, I got a plan and you'll have everything you need. I am enough, and all that I've created is enough for you to enjoy forever and glorify me forever. With that in mind, we are not saved by good works, but for good works. It's the last point of the whole outline here. We are not saved by good works, but for good works, which are the fruit of salvation and the fruit of the Spirit ongoing forever. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works, which are the fruit of salvation and the fruit of the Spirit. And just to emphasize that fruit of the Spirit, We've been around Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against any of those things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit is all these things that work in us. Those, those, those at heart things are what produce 
the good works. The fruit of the Spirit alive in us, awake in us, stirring in us, is what produces the good works. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those are the things, the fruits of the Spirit, that produce the good works. The real good works. Do not, we can just look at, let's just pick out one. This is stand at the top of the list. Love. Does true love, as the Bible defines love, does it, does it produce bad works? No, it produces good works. Now, there are times that that love of God expressed in the world, it may look harsh. I mean, it may look rough. Like if you're correcting someone who's, who's going in a, they're going headlong into hell. They, they are just bent on anything but God. And you stand in their way and say, whoa, hold it. it don't, no farther, like the bridge is out. You're going to plummet to your death on the other side. You keep going this direction and you are going to die and be separated from God forever. The world may call that hate speech. But it's not. That is the most loving you can be. Now, again, I've said this before. You don't have to be a jerk about it, right? You don't have to be like, well, look here, you know. No. Like, love really says, oh, whoa, hold, hold up a minute, hold up a minute, hold up. Like, I know whatever motivation or whatever is here for why you're doing this thing that you're doing. Like, I can kind of get it. Uh, but for the grace of God, uh, that'd be me. Like, I can look through people. I met people that don't know the Lord and had conversations and trying to... It's like, yeah, I can see, so see. If not for God touching me, I'm, I'm like you. We're kind of our characters kind of weave together. And except for the grace of God, I'd be like you just trying to figure it out by myself, reasoning and rationale and everything, trying to make God fit me. Ugh, that just gives me chills to think about that. But the most loving thing that was done... For me, was a Sunday school teacher who talked about the love of Jesus all the time and put verses in front of me that says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. She was sweet and loving and kind, and she was dropping verses on me that were just like hammers. You know, every way of right, man is right in his own eyes. But God judges the heart, God tries the heart, God convicts all those things, all those pieces. And she was just hammering and hammering and hammering me with, dude, you are not good enough. Jesus loves you so much and he, he wants you to know him and walk with him. It's like, well, that sounds really sweet. And then the memory verses come and it's like, this sounds really harsh. <laughs> but I needed harsh. Because it was that conviction, walking through the basement of a Lutheran church on my way to confirmation after being asked by this same Sunday school teacher, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And I said, yes. And I walked through the basement of that church and every footstep was liar, 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 liar. And I just like, I went through the whole thing and it's like that just rung in my head. You lied. You don't know Jesus. You're not saved. You're not sure about anything. You're just a good boy. 
And that's, you're religious. That's, that's the best you've got is you're religious. And it was not enough. It was the, only the gospel of Jesus Christ that was enough to save me. And it's been the gospel of Jesus Christ that's been enough to change me. And it's enough to change you. And it's enough to change your kids or your parents or your grandmas and grandpas, uncles, cousins, friends, people you meet on the street. It's enough. We don't need anything else. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work of changing in the first place. And one last thing about works. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have work, works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that needed for the body, what, what good is that? I hope I got the others up there, Chase, because I'm trusting I put them there. <laughs> so also, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Works don't save us. They don't save us. We're not saved by doing enough good things. But because by faith we have been saved in that gift of God, because we have faith, works come out of us. They come out of us. He produces them. And those good works are the ones He designed from the beginning For us to walk in. And when those things begin to show out of us, then we are showing there's something inside that's been wrought, not on earth, but in heaven by God. And this is not, and I'll leave you with these couple verses, couple passages. This is not contradictory to Christ's teachings. John 14, 15 through 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you'll see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me. And I in you. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Look at that one by itself right there. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So if you hear someone saying, oh, but I love Jesus, and they're not doing what Jesus said, which is reflected back through all of the Old Testament, it cannot be thrown out. Because Jesus wrote it and taught it. So you can't pitch that, Andy Stanley. I know you're not listening to this, but you can't pitch that. You can't throw that out. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. You say you love Jesus and you don't keep his commandments, then the love of Christ isn't really in you. That doesn't mean, oh, i got to keep every one of them perfectly or I'm going to falter. No, it doesn't mean that. But we understand that it's like I see my life because the Spirit of God won't let us stay in those places child of God. He won't let you. He will bring conviction to you. He will bring challenges to that. He will show you the word. He'll show you that's not right. That is not right. And that should, believer, produce in us something that we're so devoid of, repentance. Not just, I'm sorry I got caught, but I reject that practice, that concept, and turn myself and go another direction, but not just any old direction, but toward the commands of God. And he who loves me, proved by keeping his commandments, will be loved my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And in that one verse, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all saying the same thing in unity. I don't care which direction you go in the Godhead, they're all consistently saying the same thing about obeying and following what has been said. Christ said, I'm not going to say anything except the Father's already said it to me. And Jesus telling them, keep my words, they came from God. And the words you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me, right? These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit will come and he's not going to say something different. The Holy Spirit is not going to come and do something weird and, and go off script somewhere. Like if... Anyway. 
He's not going to take us someplace besides what the Word says. He's not going to take us off into la-la land telling us about things that aren't, you know, wacky and wild and all over the place and all over the map, subjective things that may or may not make a difference. He's not going to do that. He is going to talk about Jesus. He is going to declare the Word to us. He is going to convict and convince us. John 15, 1-11. We'll finish with this. I am the vine... And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Do you hear the sense of the repentance and then the increase? Like cutting off the things that aren't productive and that more good fruit might grow and every branch that does, not bear, that, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Again, the power of the gospel. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. The power of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like, what, where do we hear that? In the gospel, the good news. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, just quick. There's an if-then statement there. We like to skip past that and just go to the ask whatever you want part. But it's like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because whatever you wish is going to be asking what he already wants. So it's like he's given the guarantee, not of just ask what you want and I'll give it to you. No, it's like, if your word, if my word abides in you, you know, and you're in me, you ask things, you're going to be right there because you're asking already from the aspect of lining up with me. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you, commit, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And finally seeing that, finally seeing that, it's like I want in my heart Joy. Happiness is fleeting and it's very circumstantial. You know, one flat tire and 
happiness goes away pretty quick. But the fact that God's got that flat tire in his hand, as well as all the circumstances that led up to it and all these circumstances that he'll bring out of that, well, I have joy then. I'm still not happy because I got to shell out coin for something, and that was hard to get. But then God provided that in the first place. Like you just see, the, the, it just keeps drawing back to if we keep his commandments and we abide in him, if we, we do the things that he says, and what is the promise? These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And I don't know about you, but my heart longs for full joy. That's not circumstantial, but it's purely a gift of God. And I want to follow because I want him to be able to say over me, and I want him to be able to say over you when it's all said and done, not just, well done, my good and faithful servant, but also just like in the garden, saying, it is very good. It is very good because the work of Christ is full in that one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. I I thank you for the ability for us to be here. And I pray that things in the notes or things that were said or things that were brought will, will be something that stirs hearts to you, that stirs our affection for you, stirs up our love for you and for your word and a desire to look into this world and want to see and want to hear you say over it as you remake. It is good, very good. May that be our hearts in our walk before you to have you do that good work in us in Christ and by your Holy Spirit that it could be said, it is good, very good. Be glorified today in us, in our, our doing and being, in our fellowship, in whatever steps this day has, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.